We're going to be continuing our series in Colossians, uh, continuing what we've been doing for a number of weeks now, but specifically working through Paul's list of things that we are to put on in chapter 3. Our subject last week was humility. I identified uh, this uh, character quality as uniquely challenging because we really are all selfish by nature. Um, that isn't necessarily all bad. There's a healthy aspect to watching out for ourselves in many areas of life. Yet there is that darker, selfish side of us, right, that we all have, where we want to kind of be ahead. We want to make sure our perceived needs are met or whatever it might be. Selfishness can kick in very quickly in just about any situation of life. So we always have to be on the guard for that. But what we gleaned from God's word were three aspects of humility. And that is humility before God. And we shared a couple of verses regarding that. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, James 4.10. And then Psalm 149.4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. We also looked at humility with others. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, or humility, let each esteem others better than himself. That's Philippians 2, 3. And then be kindly affectionate to one another, with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Romans twelve ten. And then we talked about humility within ourselves. And actually, Philippians 2, 3 uh, has, uh, Philippians 2, 3 has that aspect to it. I'm sorry, Romans 12, 3. I knew I was going to do that. These numbers are so close together with 2, 3 and everything. I knew I was going to do that. Romans 12, 3. For I say, though the, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And just as a pause, that word soberly, soberly has the idea of not having clouded thinking, just like if we were to be intoxicated, but instead we're to think clearly about ourselves as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And that was in that same context of the fact that God has given us all salvation, but at the same time, how we exercise our faith is based upon how we daily trust in the Lord. And so we don't think of ourselves too highly based upon our, our maturity in Christ or whatever it might be or what we do, but we understand accurately who we are. So we're taking a very practical approach with a lot of application as we go through this part of, of uh, Colossians. And that is what the intent of the author is. And so as we talk about this area then that is next, what, what flows out of a, a humble spirit is gentleness. So what is gentleness? First thing I want to do is, is um, take a look at Colossians 3.12 to see where it is. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, we covered those already, humility last week, and now we see meekness and then long-suffering. Meekness and uh, gentleness, are, which is how it's translated sometimes, are the same thing, just so we understand that. So I'm going to use the word gentleness just because meekness is not a word that we use as often. And it's really kind of a misunderstood character quality. Um, Sometimes uh, we associate meekness with being shy and quiet, someone who is withdrawn, more comfortable in the shadows, maybe even timid and weak, right? 
that's a meek person. They're, they're timid. They're weak. They're withdrawn. It's, that's not really uh, accurate as far as the biblical definition for meekness or for gentleness. A saying that used to be very popular to counter that kind of thinking was, meekness isn't weakness, meekness is strength under control. Now, I've heard that many times from many pulpits, frankly. It's not a bad explanation, but I think we need to get a little more specific than that. And I'm not criticizing the quote. I'm just simply saying that sometimes we put these buzz phrases out there and they don't cover everything. All right. So that's that's our job today is to expand on that a little bit. As we explore the subject of gentleness, it will be helpful to connect being humble with being gentle. Just as we determine that a compassionate heart produces kindness, a humble spirit brings forth gentleness. Gentleness is actively treating others with consideration and tenderness. The opposite is treating people in a harsh, unfeeling manner. All right? Now, one thing that I have to, have to help us understand is we, we all can have an issue with, with not having not being gentle or not being gentle enough. But the reality is, and you know, you can argue with me after the service if you want to, but I think, guys, we have a particular problem with this one. Um, I think women tend to be, just by nature, more um, emotional in all the right ways when it comes to this. I think guys can be very matter-of-fact, right? Which, in and of itself, is a good character quality, until we come to this area of gentleness where we can be a little too black and white, a little too matter of fact, and not be gentle enough. And so am, am I picking on men? No, I'm just simply saying this is not usually our strength, which simply means we got to work a little harder on this one. That's all. That's all. But we all are putting this on. So what I want us to establish here is that gentleness takes strength. I think one of the challenges that we have is that, again, we sometimes think of gentleness, of, of, of a mildness, of, of a, even a calmness to our nature as weakness. And I want to argue from Scripture here that that is not the case. Folks, it takes very little effort to treat others in either a selfish way or in a way that has little or no consideration for them, right? It's easy to default, to fall to ourselves. Very easy to do that. So it's easy to not be gentle. On the other hand, having wrestled down our own selfishness to establish a humble heart, it takes further strength to express that humility by treating others with gentleness. James 3.13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Wow. Now we've already established that word meek, gentle, same thing. So, so we're working, we're doing something, right? And if we are a wise person, that is going to be done in a gentle fashion. Well, folks, what's the opposite If we're harsh, we're showing foolishness. That's the opposite. But now let's 
stay with the positive here, right? <laughs> Good conduct, works that are done, that are marked by gentleness, shows wisdom. Wisdom is not easy. Wisdom takes work. These types of work take effort in order to be gentle. What's interesting is in the context, James is, ex James is explaining the danger of the tongue and the difficulty of controlling what we say. This verse comes immediately after that context. I mean, we know that, many of us know that context very well. So a person of wisdom and understanding will be known for their gentle conduct. And that's, that's pretty amazing that we can take out of this context. So how about our witnessing? We had a great time in, in uh, the, the Bible Fellowship Hour this morning as we continue to talk about being able to present our faith in, in, a, in a responsible way, in, in, in a way that, that really would mirror how Christ did it and how others in the Scriptures did it. And I would encourage you, uh, please take the time, one extra hour, to be here and to, to be a part of that uh, Bible fellowship. But uh, I wanted to read for you 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I want to start out by saying this. I have seen friends make comments on social media, fr friends of mine, who are sarcastic, rude, and downright mean to people believing they are defending their faith. They think they're defending their faith. Of course, it's not unusual to have some politics or cultural issues mixed in a little bit. Folks, i got to tell you, that is flat out wrong. It, it's sinful. Again, it takes very little strength to throw verbal grenades over the Internet, Right? That is one of the easiest things in the world to do. You declare something, or someone else says something, and then you have this back and forth, and then boom, you're an idiot. Wow, that's great. That's, that's a good, good defense of the gospel there. Folks, we are no longer living in the power of the Spirit when we win an argument and lose our testimony for Christ. In some cases, I'm convinced that the flesh is actually motivating people. They are driven by being right, by winning, and by setting people straight about something that's important to them. Even if it comes to our faith. We can win a battle, but we can lose a war. Here's just a case in point. Just one of many, many examples I could have given I don't have any particular reason why I land on this one, except that's where my brain went. That's it. Someone might say, I was talking to my friend or coworker the other day, and they believe abortion should be legal, and I shut them down on every one of their arguments. After a while, they had nothing to say. You won. And there's a good chance that they will never have anything to say to you about the gospel either. That's tough to hear, isn't it? Now, in that statement, did I say that it's unimportant to speak up for the unborn? No. But when it comes to winning, when it comes to beating out the other person, 
in a debate, right? That's not necessarily the same as standing up for the unborn. So according to this passage, we are to respond. How are we to respond to opposition to our faith? Our defense is directed to the hope that we have in Christ. Isn't that what the scriptures say here? It's not about the accuracy of man-made global warming. The defense of our faith is not about giving a nuclear response to trans swimmers. It's not about Trump's record. It's not about Biden's record. Remember, we are told to seek what is above, to keep our focus on Christ. And our defense of our hope, our defense of the gospel is to be marked by two very distinct qualities that you see right before you. Gentleness and respect. That's what Peter tells his audience. Gentleness and respect. Folks, let's be honest. Is that how we see many people defending Christianity today? With a tender, gentle spirit, in fear as in respecting those that they are speaking to. Now, I mentioned our Bible Fellowship Hour, and earlier today there was someone who asked a very good question. And the question was, if someone doesn't hear the defense of our faith in relation to the Scriptures, what, what else can we give them? And through the discussion, basically what we came up with was, there isn't anything else. You have the Gospel, you have the Word of God. If they reject the Word of God... Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, now, I believe that's a true statement, but that doesn't mean that we still aren't living out the gospel in front of them. That doesn't mean that there isn't any credibility to our testimony as we believe and then live out what we believe. That is very powerful. Certainly, there are other things that we can bring to the table when it comes to outside sources for the accuracy of God's word and things like that. But, but the point is this. Salvation doesn't come from some catchphrase. Salvation comes from the revealed word of God, both the written word and Jesus, the word that came and lived God himself out before us because he's God. Okay? That's the hope that we have. But I would not want anyone to feel like they can't and shouldn't. Let me say this a different way. Don't um, neglect and don't diminish the testimony that you can and should have. All right? God uses people to reach people, but he uses people to convey his word to reach people. Right? That's what the scriptures tell us. So keep that in mind. But here's the point, though. It's not about, you know, I don't know what it's called anymore, but, you know, WWF, right? It's not you getting up on the top rope, right, and doing some superplex thing and nailing your opponent, right? I won. I pinned them. I'm stronger. I'm smarter. That's not what it's about, right? And I know some of you are like, oh, I just can't get that image of you on the top rope. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you don't want me to land on you. 
but, but here's the point. Here's the point. What do we win in that? Right? And I think part of it goes back to, I'm not saying it's prevalent here, but it is prevalent. The idea of winning the lost. Now, I'm not saying that there's necessarily, again, something terrible about that phrase, but we don't win anybody. Right? If we have a notch on our belt mentality for those that we've won to Jesus, uh, we're going to have a problem. Because it's not really going to be about what they believe and who they believe in, but whether I can I convince them to repeat something back to me. We are not the standard. Christ is. Okay? Uh, I've said enough there. Let's move forward. We're talking about the power of gentleness. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now we're going to, again, look at the first part of that. We're talking about gentleness. The context portrays a pressure-packed situation, right? Someone is basically angry with us, and they're expressing it strongly. Doesn't matter the context. Someone is not happy with us. The other person is launching that anger at us. What's the solution? A soft answer. No, it's not. Go toe-to-toe. Let them know what you think back. Assert yourself. Is that what the scriptures tell us here? No. We have another proverb that furthers this. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. And that's not literal, right? Might be some martial artists out here and say, eh, a gentle tongue breaks a bone. No, it's, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as a picture that the power of gentleness, gentleness can make a significant impact in somebody else's life. They might not show it, right? They might not show it. But we've probably all witnessed, if not even done ourselves, right? When we have been in a pressure-packed situation and we have seen someone stay calm, stay kind, talk to that person with respect, not get out of control, and watch the other person either continue to frankly make a fool out of themselves, right? Or to soften. Let's also remind ourselves as we think about these two verses that the outcome doesn't determine our actions. Proverbs are a rule of life. We can't abandon gentleness just because someone else is responding poorly to us. As I said a few moments ago, it takes great strength to overcome our selfishness. Proverbs 16.32 actually speaks to this in, in a sense. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Ruling our spirit is just eliminating the negative, right? It isn't just that. It's also uh, treating others with gentleness. Remember, 
that putting off those ugly and bad things, those sinful things, isn't the same as putting on. So when we actually rule our spirit, it is tamping down the, the, the sinful reactions that might be coming up. That's true. That takes some work. But it's also making sure that we are in that situation putting on gentleness. Gentleness towards others requires thoughtfulness and purpose. We make an effort to treat people with sensitivity and care as we consider their needs and their perspective, even sometimes in a difficult situation. This is not only what we need to put on, but we need to develop. All right. So now let's talk for a few moments here about living out this gentleness. I want to give you a couple of examples first. I'm going to give you the example of Moses. This, this is an amazing verse. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Now you might say to yourself, wait a minute, you, you just deferred back to you. Humble? What, 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 what happened there? Well, there's a couple things we need to note. First, humble is actually meek in the Hebrew. And the English Standard Version actually has it right. Now the man Moses was very meek more than all the people who were on the face of the earth, okay? But the other thing is this, which I thought was, was pretty interesting. Um, this is, let me go back to the, to the New King James. In many translations, this is a parenthetical statement. I was always told in my uh, composition class that if you put something in parentheses, it's not important enough, right? That was, that was my teacher's opinion right so if you if you if you make it a parenthesis then it wasn't really fit to give a full sentence to well yeah it depends on your purpose and the purpose here is this this is this is said almost just in passing that's the idea here oh by the way moses is more humble than anybody else moses is more gentle than anybody else isn't that something And we need to remind ourselves that gentleness is the outworking of humility, of a clear head and understanding of ourselves. So the general translation of it being humble isn't a bad one. But again, it's even put in these parentheses, giving the idea of Moses' selflessness. So let's not miss the context here. We're not going to go to it, but Miriam and Aaron directly were directly challenging Moses' authority. Miriam... And Aaron were the older brother and sister of Moses. So as they were all in some level of authority over the, 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 the people, um, the older brother and sister got the idea, hey, God's speaking to us too. Who does Moses think he is? Um, again, I don't want to go back there, but basically... The Lord heard what they were saying. He understood their intent. And he basically, miraculously, turned Miriam completely leprous. Moses, in his desire to have his sister to exercise his gentleness, he went to the Lord. And prayed on her behalf. And God promised, okay, there's going to be some time 
But yes, she'll be able to be healed. So as we think of the gentleness of Moses, did he have any life experiences that may have shaped his character? Think about this. He went from Pharaoh's household to living in the wilderness, taking care of sheep. And they weren't even his own. They were his father-in-law's. Think about that. He was in a palace. He had servants. He had wealth. He had prestige. He had everything. Now, later on in Hebrews, possibly other places, we, we hear the character of Moses and we understand that that was not what was most important to him, which was reflected in him standing up for his people and killing the Egyptian who was beating some of the, the Hebrew slaves. But it wasn't done right. It wasn't in God's timing. So here he is now out in the wilderness 40 years before God calls him again to bring him back to be his mouthpiece to Pharaoh. Folks, he's got a lot of time on his hands. He did not have handheld video games to take his mind off things, right? He wasn't, you know, trying to figure out what he wanted to order from Amazon. I don't know what he sat on, but he probably sat a lot as the sheep were grazing or whatever, and then he move on or whatever, but he had a lot of time to think. And as he was processing what he had gone through and what he was currently going through, somewhere along the line, God developed in him a very gentle spirit. So much so that he's noted as being the most gentle person on the earth at that time. Then we have the example of Christ. Jesus describes himself as humble, gentle, and humble, or meek and lowly, as we see in this verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That was in our scripture reading this morning. But let's understand something. We have to keep in mind that Jesus is God in the flesh. 100% God, 100% man. Does God have to be humble? No. He, he doesn't have to square himself with anyone. He is who he is. But yet we see here that the God-man, that Jesus, was humble. Jesus lived out the perfect example of how we are to live. So to be humble and gentle is to take on the character of Christ. To have a humble spirit and then live that humble spirit out in gentleness. As the Messiah, Jesus lived out every aspect of humility. Now, I'm not changing subjects on this. I'm building something here. Humility before the Father, correct? It was God's will that he was doing. He constantly said that. I'm doing the will of the Father. I can't do anything on my own. He didn't mean he didn't have any abilities. What he was saying was, I'm locked into what God the Father wants. Humility with others. We can just see how he treated people. He, again, he was God in the flesh. 
And look at how he dealt with people, right? And then humility within himself. Jesus has a perfectly accurate understanding of who he was and what he was to do. Wow. He then lived his humility out in gentleness toward others. There are all kinds of examples in Scripture, right? Through his entire earthly ministry, including the trials that he had. And I'm not talking about troubles trials. I'm talking about actual legal trials that he had leading up to and then including his crucifixion. We saw the gentleness of Christ. A lamb to the slaughter, right? Didn't raise his voice. Didn't speak up for himself. Why? Because he was considering our needs. As we think of Jesus, and even as we think of of, uh, um, Moses, who had his hiccups, right? Jesus did not. But Moses, he, he failed sometimes. But as we think of that, we need to endure in our gentleness. Again, this takes work. This takes effort. There's, there's strength in this. Our gentleness needs to have staying power in our interactions with or our conversations with others, whether it be conversations or even life situations. So here's a couple of questions for you. Are you more gentle at work than at home? Do you struggle with being gentle in certain situations or when discussing certain subjects? Do some people, a certain child, a certain parent, challenge your desire to be gentle? Notice that I never said the word ability. It's not our ability, it's our desire. There is a point where a situation may change over to where we might need to be firm. It might involve safety, correction, intervention, some responsibility we have, confronting someone, right? But we need to make sure we maintain our gentleness as much as possible. Now we're going to go back to Moses and Jesus for a minute. Moses, after meeting with God, came down from the mountain and saw the peop- what the people were doing. The, the scriptures tell us they were playing. Um, the idea here is, is that there was some awful, terrible things going on. This wasn't just like, you know, Legos, okay? They, they, they were sinning terribly. He threw the first tablets to the ground and broke them. He took the idol the people were worshiping. He burned it. He ground it to powder, sprinkled that powder on the water, and made the people drink their idol. <laughs> okay? Talk about an object lesson. I was just worshiping this thing. I just drank. Not sure what flavor of Kool-Aid that is. There's Red Bull, then there's Golden Bull, right? Anyway, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. They were stealing from the people. They made worshiping God a burden, and they made it so discouraging that they didn't want to be there. The action uh, needed to be taken. He needed to cleanse the temple. If someone were to break into our home, it's not time to sit down and calmly reason with them. Right? So, there's some common sense that these situations require a different kind of response. 
But here's the reason why I brought all of that up. We can try to find unrealistic examples in the Bible and in life to justify avoiding gentleness in the many situations that require it. Or we can apply these principles properly and be obedient. We can rationalize selfishness or we can put on gentleness. It's just that simple. So how do we promote gentleness? Let's take a few moments to consider a different angle on gentleness. The viewpoint of being treated with consideration. See, a wise person will respond will respond to gentleness. By doing this, we may promote gentleness and possibly avoid the not-so-gentle situations of life. Again, I'm looking at this from a little bit different perspective. I'm going to give us an illustration that I think we can all understand. And again, the point is to promote gentleness. We've probably all been in the situation or are currently in a situation like this. A mom tells her child or children that it's time to go to bed. Do a chore. Get ready for school. Fill in the blank, right? There's all kinds of things that moms need to tell their children to do. So we'll settle on this. Mom calls from another room and tells her kids to stop playing and put their toys away. No reaction from the kids. They just keep on doing what, they, what they're doing. A couple minutes drift by and mom calmly tells them again to put their toys away. The kids glance at each other and one says, Okay, mom. But they keep playing. Mom speaks again from the other room or possibly even comes into the room at this point, and she calmly says, but firmly, I have asked you twice now, and I mean it. Clean up your toys. I should add here, Scott, Bill, and Brian (laughs) might give a low moan and grumble, okay, we'll put our toys away. They move the toys around a bit, And maybe put some things away they're not directly playing with right then. But once mom is is satisfied and she leaves, they just begin to continue playing. Mom notices things are too quiet. Comes into the room and yells, what are you doing? I thought you were cleaned up already. Get these toys put away now. I need to add one quick thing here. Young people. It's not a game. It's not a game to see what you can get away with. It's disobedience. Obeying your parents or other authority is commanded by God. Adults, it's not a game. We already discussed that our gentleness needs endurance and and that some situations require different response. So we need to be very careful not to respond out of selfishness. Here's the question. Do you prefer to be treated gently or harshly? Now, I'm pretty confident that if I let everybody in the room say, do you want to be treated harshly by someone or do you want to be treated gently by someone, you would say, I prefer gentleness, right? I don't think any one person would say, yeah, I, I like being yelled at and, and, and you know, being, being treated meanly, Right? So how often do we neglect to respond to others, to another person's gentleness? Maybe it's our boss just simply explaining, this is what I would like done. 
Maybe it's a conversation between husband and wife. Maybe it is parent to child. Folks, we need to tune our ears to hear gentle speech. We need to challenge... uh, I want to challenge you to recalibrate how you listen and how you respond to people in a way that actively encourages how we all want people to treat us. If we don't respond well at all, or even at all, to gentleness then we're saying that we really don't prefer to be treated that way. So if, again, any given situation, when there is someone who is trying to communicate communicate to us in a a kindly way, in in a a calm way, in a gentle way, and we're like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I hear you, but we don't really respond, we don't really listen, and we should be, for whatever reason. Like, I, I, I can't put us in every situation right but we but we work against that then what we're saying is i really want you to yell at me i want you to be the nasty boss i want you to be the mean mom or dad so this gentleness we can help it we can help it by properly responding to it when we're the receiver of it. So let's take a few moments to kind of put these things together here. When we are humble and treat others gently, we are living out the character of Christ. We saw that. That was the only time in Scripture that he actually describes his own personal character. And he says that he's humble and gentle. Wow. Wow. We need to be reminded that we are going to struggle to be gentle if we don't have a humble heart. That's got to come first. We can continue to develop humility and gentleness, but we cannot forget that we need to make uh, moment-by-moment decisions to think and act like Christ. Of course, that's, again, to be humble and gentle. It takes a lot of work to be gentle. Treating others with consideration will require us to fight difficult battles within our own spirit. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration. Folks, I, I know sometimes it's like, you know, what's that? It's very simplistic, I get it, but it's almost like we have this selfish double that's standing in front of us. And, and let's, just, let's just assume that it's almost like that, that, you know, shadow of us, right, that we can see through to the other person, but here's, here's, here's the selfish side of us. And when we're responding to someone, in some ways, that's kind of what we almost lead with, right? Not, not, that, not that we always treat people selfishly, but it's, he, he's always there. And it's like we have to grab that person and wrestle them back so that it's our gentle spirit, it's our humility that is actually engaging the person. Because let's face it, if selfishness is what leads we start sizing the person up in all different ways we start measuring them and everything else we start asking ourselves do they deserve this should they receive that instead of putting to death that side of our nature killing it off getting it out of the way and leading with a proper view of ourself a proper view of them 
and the character of Christ in wanting to be kind and tender, wanting to be compassionate to them, in engaging with them as the worthy person that they are because they are made in the image of God. Folks, could that change some of the relationships that you have? Could it make them better? Now, again, I want to be careful to say this. I'm not saying that none of this is present. We're not starting from zero. But frankly, in a relationship or two you might have, you might be starting less than zero. <laughs> you might be at a deficit when it comes to gentleness. And so you've got to work yourself back. It is going to take work. It starts with understanding who we are before God, who we are with others, and who we are within ourselves. And then as we apply that humility, then we say, okay, how did Jesus live? How did Jesus treat people? Even look at Moses. Moses said, God, if, if, if you would just save these people, just, just take me right out of your book of life. <laughs> wow. How many times did he beg for those people that mistreated him? Right? Begged for them before God. Now, let's not make God the meanie in all of this, okay? They had a contract. But the point is this. Moses was compassionate. Moses was gentle. And of course, like I say, we, we understand the character of Christ. So in all of that, I just want us to understand that there's, there's that person that can start to assert themselves that we need to overpower. Not in our own strength, in the strength of the Spirit. But at the same time, our responsibility is to do that so that we can be the person that we are in Jesus, that we can actually show forth his character. We can live for his purposes in the life of that other person. And yes, that does include our parents and our children, our husbands, our wives, other relations that we have, and then beyond. Folks, let's start it at home. Let, let's, let's be, where's it hardest to live, right? I can go and I can fake stuff anywhere. I can be the most kind and nice person coming through the grocery line. Oh, you're, you're a wonderful cashier. You have a gift at this, man. You know, and oh, look, you're just whipping that stuff through. Oh, you know, I, I, can, I can be so gentle. Oh, you, you, you know, you bruise my peaches. That's okay. You know, right, right. Then I get home. That girl bruised my peaches, Right. And then Maggie's like, you know, well, that's okay. I'll do well, what do you, you know what I mean? I can get very ungentle fast. I can fake it somewhere else. So here's the challenge. In all of these characteristics, right? Man, the, the home is the crucible. Now, some of you are saying, well, <laughs> I live alone. <laughs> right? You still interact with people, right? You still interact with people. So don't lose the application, all right? Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we just consider just, just the, 
the beautiful life that Jesus led for us. There really were two purposes for you coming. You were the chosen one. You were the Lamb of God. You, you gave your life for us. But you also lived your life for us. We are to look to Christ. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that we will do the work to pattern our lives after Him. God, Your grace did not begin and end at the point you took our sins away. It has been there all of our lives. It might look a little different. But right now, you are gracious and kind to us to help us be more like Jesus. You are working in our lives to make a change in us that is completely countercultural. It goes against the fallen nature of man. But Lord, may we not lose sight of the powerful impact that a gentle spirit, that a humble life lived out in gentleness can have in a world that's so full of strife. Give us the strength to be gentle. In Jesus' name, amen.